Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. In this week's episode, the guys go over a crucial topic, the steps homeowners should take after a natural disaster. From filing for FEMA assistance, to understanding your homeowner's insurance, and even finding relief on mortgage payments, all while enjoying Dry Fly Bourbon 101. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. My name is Charlie Sardelli, and as always, I'm here with... Jameson Amaros. And guys, today, uh, honestly, we, this episode, what we want to do is just kind of help a little bit um, because of the current disaster out in Hawaii. And guys, don't forget, we post our episodes weekly, um, and this is just a great example. We try and stay up to date on our topics for you guys so we can help out in any way. Um, you can follow us on YouTube at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective. We post our episodes uh, vocals because we're a band every Friday. And our video goes up anywhere between uh, Monday and Wednesday. And check out the rest of the channel. We have some awesome community spotlights up there. We've got some great uh, new built homes on yep. there. So we'd love to have you guys check that out and leave comments uh, for us and sh- tell us where to go and what to enjoy. Yep. And like uh, Charlie said, we're, we're two Colorado-based realtors. We work for Fathom Realty here, kind of based out of I'm down here in Castle Rock. Charlie's up north in Thornton. And uh, yeah, we're here to help with whatever you guys need, right? Yeah. Um, we're, we're here to provide information and help you guys navigate real mm-hmm. estate where, regardless of where you're at on your journey, right? Whether it's buying, selling, renting, investing, uh, in today's episode's case, insurance, right? Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, a hot button topic, especially mm-hmm. here in Colorado. We're going to go through, you know, uh, we're going to go through a lot of different things. We're yeah. going to go through how to deal with natural disasters mm-hmm. and the steps to take if you are unfortunately caught uh, in something catastrophic. We're going to talk about insurance costs and why insurance costs what it does and specifically yep. how it's affecting the Colorado market and homeowners here in our beloved state. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we want to make sure we provide some resources for you guys, uh, whether that's through FEMA, whether that's through donations, if you want to donate to uh, Hawaii, because it is, uh, you've seen it, right? Yeah. It's just heartbreaking mm-hmm. what's uh, what's been on the news. So yeah. we wanted to kind of take this episode and and, and provide as much value as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they pay their homeowner's insurance and it comes out of their escrow account. And I know I don't look at it ever. Um, it gets pulled out by my mortgage yeah, company and, and not every only six that, months. <laughs> and not only that, but I mean, this is something, you know, we talk about on the podcast. We understand that real estate, you do it three transactions pretty much in your life on average. And honestly, how many of us are going to be affected right. by a natural disaster like this? And in my research, I found that a lot of people don't know the steps to take or, or what to do afterwards mm-hmm. because when you're dealing with the anxiety and, and the frustration and ultimately just the sadness yeah. of losing almost everything, you don't, you don't, your brain's not working right, right. Well, we've talked about this previously, not talked about, I guess, touched on it, Yeah. where you look at climate change and I know hot button issue, it's not real, it is real, shut up, doesn't matter. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that if natural disasters stay the same, mm-hmm. right? So let's say there is no climate change just for you people out there. There's no climate change, right? So the forest fires are going to stay the same. Tornadoes are going to stay the same. Hurricanes are going to stay the same. However, what's going to change is the amount of homes that are creeping into those areas because we can't build on top of each other. So we have to expand outward, right? And I think it's an important topic to go over because inevitably, whether you believe in climate change or you don't believe in climate change, your risk of experiencing a natural disaster just based on the expansion of the human population in the United States is going to increase. Yes, and absolutely. And we want to make sure you guys understand what that looks like, what steps to take, mm-hmm. what resources are out there, and where the cost comes from. And of course, on this podcast, it's not all about real estate. 
We enjoy bourbon on every episode, weekly for you guys. And uh, this week, we, we have another random grab. Isn't that we right, We have a random grab. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to start calling these like the blindfold the blindfold yeah. bottles. Yep. Right? Like, Ooh, blindfold bottle. Yeah. I like it. I blindfold like it. bottles. Yeah. yeah, I was looking for uh, for a very specific bourbon today. Yeah. I talked to you about it earlier. Yeah. But, yeah. So for those of you that know me, I'm a huge Steph Curry fan. Huge right? Steph by, Curry fan. By fan, like fanboy, right? Uh, almost jealous of his wife, honestly, at this point. Uh, but I, I yes. watched him play. If you can't see the twinkle in his eye right now is, talking about him, yeah, it's, yeah. it's real. And, and something else, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, but uh, I've watched him since Davidson, followed his career, and I, I love the dude, right? I think everything he does turns to gold. And um, I recently found out that he is like us. Mm-hmm. He has been a bourbon lover for a number of years mm-hmm. and he has now gotten to the point we probably got this point 10 years ago with the money he made but he came out with his own bourbon brand so yep. keep an eye out for it i will have it on this podcast yes as soon as it becomes available it's called gentleman's cut and he's been promoting it on social media this is not a paid advertisement i just love the dude and i'm so excited that he's a bourbon lover as well yep so i was looking for that one couldn't find it it's supposed to hit shelves this week so i was like man i'm gonna try something a little bit different Came across this bottle, um, and so far, the cheat taste test pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the neck pour wasn't 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 very bad on it. No, it's not. So, and what, uh, what's the name of it? Uh, good question. I think it's like Fly Fly. What is it? Uh, dry. dry Fly. Dry Fly. Uh, it's a Dry Fly bourbon. Small batch, one hundred and one. So, mm-hmm. a couple things. It is a small batch bourbon. It is one hundred and one proof, so it's fifty point five percent ABV alcohol by volume. Uh, it's aged three years in American oak bo- bottles or barrels, sorry, and it pays homage to the outdoors. So if you guys are ever, you know, fly fishermen will understand what dry fly is. I am not one of those people, but it's a type of lure apparently that you can use and a type of um, way that you fly fish. I, I know nothing of it. <laughs> right, me either. But uh, it was born in the great Northwest, the Pacific Northwest in Washington State. So they actually have their distillery, their main distillery is in Spokane. Which, if you guys haven't been up to Washington State, I rag on it sometimes because it just rains like well, way too much. So that's the other thing I was going to say too is right when you said that, I mean, just the distillation process alone, the 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 wetness of the area. I yeah. wonder how much that plays into it. I don't know. I mean, because it's, yeah. we've heard about different distilleries doing you know certain barrels at certain times of the year because of how saturated right. the barrels can get. Yep. So I would I would guess in a place that's so humid and has so much rainfall it would play a significant amount yeah. into the bourbon. Yeah, so um, it is the first bourbon that has that was legally distilled in Washington State. Interesting. So 2007 is okay. when, when, they, uh, when they came to fruition. And uh, a couple cool, just unique things that they do, right? Because obviously when you think bourbon, you don't think Washington State. No. Right? No, no. You think craft beer, wine country. Um, well, and for all your all the purists, if it's not coming from yeah, you know, exactly, exactly <laughs> it's right. Two places. Yep, then, yeah. exactly. It's like wine; like it's got to come from Champagne's mm-hmm. got to come from the Champagne region. Yep. Right, which I get. Uh, but the one cool thing they do is they purposely make everything locally sourced. So we always hear the term like farm to table, yeah. right? Like, okay, if it's a farm to table, that means that the restaurants ingredients they're using are from family owned farms within a certain distance. Mm-hmm. The exact same thing with these guys. So these guys only use grains from local farms within 30 miles of the actual distiller, distillery See, I love itself. It. I love it because that right. means everything is being played by the same exactly. factors. Like so, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so it's cool. So they, they call it farm to glass. Nice. Right. Okay. Um, and they have a tasting room in Spokane opens at 11, I think closes at six. You can take whiskey tours and whatnot. So cool story. They won a couple of medals. The most recent one was back in 2018. 
Um, that was the whiskeys of the world. They won a silver medal. Okay. So again, for you purists, a silver medal, the whiskeys of the world from Washington, not bad. Not um, at all. And then, like I said, yeah, American oak barrels. Um, as far as tasting notes and whatnot, they don't give us a ton. So I'm kind of uh, yeah. interested to see what we think. But oh yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, man. It's yeah, well, anything it's, farm to table, like keeping things yeah. local. And, and again, just, just cool. the fact cool. that they have that much control over what goes into yeah. it. Goes they have that it. much control and I have a sweet spot for it because to me that just means, Hey, we're supporting local businesses yes. and we as realtors are our own local businesses. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so shout out to any of my clients that have given me referrals or have been referred to me. Like you guys are the lifeblood of my business. So I yeah. appreciate any company that's, you know, mm-hmm. nationally yeah. recognized to use specifically local businesses mm-hmm. to support. So it's just kind of a cool, yeah, cool story. Absolutely. Cool absolutely. Story. Well, I'm going to go, let's cheers it up and uh, get, get some, some notes going. Cheers. So, I mean, immediately on the nose, there's a sweetness to yep. it um, that you really wouldn't expect from a small batch. But, I mean, ultimately, mm. and the color on it, for three years, we've seen yeah. a lot lighter oh, yeah. for three years. Um, and even, you could see some, some you know, little particulates in there, and, but that's normal for, for a three-year, um, especially on a small batch, because they are a little bit more chosen and, and pinpointed on yeah, what they're the doing. the burn's not bad on the nose. No. I get some caramel. And this is 100 proof, right? I mean, yeah, for 100 proof, that's, that's not a bad burn no. at all. No. At all. No, I like it. And some, some sweetness on the front. I yep. think um, I was getting a little bit of peach. Yeah, honestly. I got like an apricot almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just dried fruit in general. Yep. A little bit of spice on the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say spices, I'm talking more like that, that cardamom. Yeah. A um, little less cinnamon, mm-hmm. but definitely, definitely those natural spices to it. Mm. Go ahead and take a sippy, sippy. That is smooth, man. It is smooth. That is, mm. it, for for the small batch. We were on a small batch kick for a while. We're, it this, also it lingers a little bit on the back of the tongue. Yeah, but this does not punch Mm-mm. at the beginning like no. the, the alcohol is not there it, at the beginning of the. No, sip. it's not. I yeah. Wow, hold on. I gotta talk about the evolution of a flavor on this thing. Wow, I, know. Let me, I gotta I gotta get another sip. <laughs> So, man, surprising, right? Yeah. It starts out with a, that fruit. Especially for a 50. Yeah. Like, Start. I would expect some more burn, a mm-hmm. little bit more punch, like you said. Only for three years. But I get the fruit in the front. There's yep. a little bit of the burn, but mm-hmm. it dissipates pretty quick. But I'm left with, like, kind of like a caramel, yeah. sweeter, vanilla, vanilla, sweeter mm-hmm. note on the back of the tongue that yeah. just kind of sits there. I definitely, because on, on the front of the bottle, it talks about, like, standard bourbon. Like, mm-hmm. like yes. This is an inha- like I get all the regular notes of what you would expect from that, from that bourbon. You know, just the regular, yeah, natural bourbons, mm. for sure. But that, that flavor on the back end, man, yeah, it's good. It sits sweet, nutty. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna like it. I like I'm it. Like I one. like it. No, this is, hey, Washington State, shout yeah. out, <laughs> shout out, man. You guys do know how to make some bourbon. Yeah, well, maybe no, that's that, good, uh, man. I maybe like that, it. uh, shoo, maybe that. That moisture keeps locks it in a little bit more. I, you know, I, yeah, I wonder if that has something to do. Well, so it's like, um, and we haven't tasted this yet. We'll do this on the on the podcast eventually. But the Jefferson Ocean, mm-hmm. uh, the aged at sea, their whole premise is those barrels are aged at sea. Wild, I know, yeah, crazy, wow. right? <laughs> um, but it's because they let that saltwater air permeate 
the barrels. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, you're right, like a Rick house in Washington mm-hmm. versus a Rick house in Colorado. Yeah. Right. Like you're going to have a lot more, more moisture seep in and loosen mm-hmm. those wood grains and maybe release some of that. Yeah. That extra flavor in there. And so it's just the smoothness yeah. for it to be three years. I mean, and a small batch at a hundred proof. The, this is, this is proven to be pretty good. Hey, blind, <laughs> so blind, far. Uh, blind, blindfold barrel pick. Yeah. Uh, blindfold bottle pick. <laughs> blindfold bottle. I like it. Um, so Charlie, did you, yeah. have, what have you, you've, you've watched the news, right? Like, have you yeah. seen some of the drone mm-hmm. videos and whatnot? Yeah. Okay. It's devastation at, at its core. It's insane. Yeah. Like, I, it, as far as the definition goes and yeah. guys, as you know, we, we always try and stay kind of like middle ground on yeah. it when we, when we talk about topics like this, especially because if you are on any kind of social media, you're seeing, you're seeing all the theories come out, all the, you know, the asphalt should have evaporated or there's a space laser or whatever it is. Like direct energy weapon. We're not going to talk about that. No. Like I'll we talk said, about it with somebody that is versed in thermodynamics Yeah, or firefighters, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and to give you guys background, what we're talking about is the wildfire, and I don't want to butcher the name, so I'm just going to say in near Maui, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially what happened was there's a brush fire that started it was propelled by a hurricane to the north, or no, to the south, I believe. No, mm-hmm. to the north. That was kicking up 70, 80 mile an hour winds. Mm-hmm. And if you're from Colorado, it is very reminiscent of the Superior fire that we had yep. two years ago. Yes, absolutely. That wiped out 150 homes mm-hmm. on this beautiful golf course community. And it was started by an outdoor uh, campfire mm-hmm. that was not put out correctly. And yep. essentially what happened was, which this is also crazy, by the way, the, the report just came out a little bit ago. Um, so the superior fire, if you guys aren't aware, we've talked about it on a previous episode, probably almost a year ago, yeah. was started by embers. Mm-hmm. The fire was actually put out. So initially they thought the fire was burning and got out of control. Yeah. The, the, uh, forensic arson or arson forensics, the team, the crack team that, that does fire uh, investigation found out that the fire was actually put out mm-hmm. and it was actually put out correctly, but there was a couple of embers that were still lit that a normal person probably wouldn't have noticed or considered. And what happened was those embers got relit because there was a windstorm that came in 90, hundred mile an hour gusts up near superior that carried those embers mm-hmm. a couple of hundred yards. Yeah. They caught on the right piece of fuel. We had a very dry season. Mm-hmm. And then once one thing caught on fire, those hundred mile an hour winds are now carrying yeah. 10 foot flames. Mm-hmm. And if you've never been part of a forest fire or never seen it, right? Like I, and this is, I'll see we're gonna if I stay can find the, my photos or videos. Yeah. Of, we're going to stay was, in the middle. Right. But there is a great ring doorbell camera from the superior fires on one of the townhomes that, that just this time-lapse of how quickly this fire spread. Mm-hmm. And, People don't understand that fire has just kind of a mind of its own. Yeah, especially when it's fueled by by wind. By wind, right? <laughs> yeah. So what happened was this fire swept through Superior within hours to the point where, I mean, you could barely evacuate, right? Now what happens in Hawaii is you're on an island. So mm-hmm. as the fire is moving, because the fire is not going to start in the ocean, yeah. right? Yep. Or on the shore. Why? Mm-hmm. Because there's more moisture there. Mm-hmm. So if it starts inland and moves towards the ocean, where can people go? The ocean. Right. They can mm-hmm. go in the ocean. And this was being fueled by fires or sorry, by wind from a hurricane, 70, 80 mile an hour gusts. Mm-hmm. And it's devastating. And we wanted to make sure we talk about it and give you guys resources because it shows that on a lush tropical island that gets, you know, four or five <laughs> inches of rain in mm-hmm. a month, et cetera, like it can still happen. Yeah. Regardless of climate change, mm-hmm. it can happen as, as structures get closer and closer. And it happens in the blink of an eye, yes. right? Think about so tornadoes, fast. think about hurricanes, think mm-hmm. about storm surge, all these different things, mm-hmm. hailstorms yeah. can affect your home and they can happen in the blink of an eye. This highlights the need because I, I looked at the, the initial numbers, just guess. So in that area, what they're thinking currently, right? 
as far as total cost out of pocket for insurance companies, it's going to be. I would guess over $10 million. $3.2 billion in damage so far. Incredible. That's an initial estimate. Incredible. $3.2 billion. The Superior Fire was mm-hmm. about $2 billion. Yeah. And, and, and here's the thing that the other thing that I want to highlight to you guys is as we talk about um, our topic today and kind of going how to handle it, yeah. FEMA and all that kind of stuff, we're going to talk about it from as they see, as they see it. And again, timelines depend on a, a multitude of things as, mm. as to when, you know, uh, help can come as to when you're going to get paid. But the information that we're going to give you is, is directly from FEMA is directly from what, what they expect and, and how they go about it. So to kind of move in into the episode, um, and, and start the conversation, what we want to do is talk about what happens after the natural disaster occurs? What can you do or what are the steps that you should take after you're affected by a natural disaster, right? And what we're going to cover is first, you want to you reach out to FEMA. Then after that, you want to reach out to your insurance company. And then you also, and again, you can do this in any kind of order, but these are the three main things that you want to take care of. So FEMA, insurance, and then title and your, mor- and your mortgage holder. Um, whoever's holding the, the, the note for your mortgage, yep. right? Um, so basically what I did is I dove into to FEMA um, and basically kind of how it works, where to go, how to handle it, uh, and stuff like that. And again, guys, take this with a grain of salt because this is basically the steps that you should take. The timelines may be, may be shorter, may be longer, but as long as you do this, you will get some kind of assistance. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember too, right? Like FEMA is backed by who? The... The government, the federal government. And what do we know about the U.S. government? It's a little slow. It's slow, <laughs> right? So there's, yes. Especially I, I think, when money is involved. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. it's it's important. We talk about it all the time. Like, you, it, at some point, and this is so hard to say, right? Once the disaster happens, you almost have to take the emotion out of it. Yeah. And understand that, like, the wheels of the federal mm-hmm. government turn very slowly. Yes. Because it's large and it's clunky and mm-hmm. and our resources that you know charlie's deep dive into are are the are there for a purpose mm-hmm. to help are your timelines going to be shitty most likely because yep. it's not just you it's if it's a large natural disaster mm-hmm. i mean like i said superior was 150 180 homes yep. it's 180 people that are trying to get help at the same time yeah. and there's a lot of shit that goes into it right? well and when i looked at the fema website actively if i remember correctly right now and this is something i didn't even realize yeah there are five to seven active disasters that are that are running right now but this is away from hawaii like there's one in illinois i didn't know that right what's the one in illinois i, I just oh, it just it, it gives you a list it says hawaii well, and then probably a tornado, i'm assuming tornado yeah, right, right? Yeah, yeah but it gives you it gives you a list so again exactly like jameson saying is take it with a grain of salt just know that if you do this there will be some kind of assistance yeah. eventually at least you get the ball to get rolling, it go. exactly right, right? yeah you move so, you move forward yes so the first thing that you want to do is reach out to fema and that can be Three different ways. You can go to disasterassistance.gov okay. and fill out your information. And I'll go over that information in a second. Or you can call 1-800-621-3362 or 1-800, I believe it's 62FEMA. Yep. Um, and, and that's, or 621FEMA or 62FEMA. Either way. Or, welcome to the 21st century in the, in the age of, of technology, you can go right into a FEMA mobile app. You can download the app and fill out the information, right? Um, so basically what you're looking at when you, when you apply for this, um, assistance through FEMA is you're going to get two main forms of assistance. Okay. You're going to have the IHP, which stands for individuals and households program, or you're going to have the small business administration loans. 
okay? And I understand, trust me, when I first started looking into this too, you're telling me you're going to make people take out loans for something that they can't control? Yes, but these loans are funded by the SBA and they are extremely low interest rates in order to assist you a little bit more. Um, and with that being said, when you go on to FEMA, what you're applying for first is that individual and households program. And that program is going to cover things like temporary housing and some home repairs and, and repairs made to your home, as well as some of the um, amenities that you're looking at. It will not cover your phone and it will not cover your food costs. But take a look in your local areas because they do have uh, disaster, basically, buildings um, that, you can, that you can reach out to and local organizations, yeah. which we are going to throw uh, all, all of that information where you can donate, yeah, you can go to Red call. Cross, which, yeah, Red yeah. Cross is a big um, one. There's in a, the description. a lot of the insurance companies will set up mobile disaster yes. uh, sites and whatnot. Mm -hmm. The one thing I want to point out, so Charlie, you said that the point about the loan, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think it's important to understand like people, their initial reaction is, well, I should just get money. Yeah. Okay, but you have to understand that as much as an individual can, conspiracy theorist, shut up. I don't even <laughs> want to hear you comment on this next thing I'm about to say. As much as an individual cannot control the weather mm -hmm. or things that happen natural disaster-wise, neither can the government. Yes. Okay? Well, and then on top so of that. So if they are loaning you money, mm -hmm. they still need to get that paid back because we still have to run a yep. society. So well, and then, and then Jameson, I love it. You're... you're You've been amazing at the at the softball pitches for the hits, man. Um, so that and that's the, actually the next thing I wanted to talk about is between the two, if you get the individual and household program, if you're part of that yeah. program, that does not need to be repaid. That yeah. is from FEMA, but that comes from a collective tax dollar from all of us that then you do not have to repay. What you do have to repay is the SBA. And to Jameson's point of you know, government can't account for it, everybody who complains about taxes mm -hmm. and and giving more money to help other people, that's the reason the SBA is there. Right. Because if we took all that money from the IHP, there wouldn't, right. there wouldn't be it, or we'd be paying astronomical amount just to have that as a backup. Well, and it, and it behooves you know, the government and, and, and us in general to keep businesses running during yes. these times, especially if they're you know, mission critical to whether it's you know, food uh, distribution, whether it's energy, gas stations, whether it's, uh, I mean, heck, cell phone stores, yeah. that, you, whatever it is. Um, but I did not know that. So if mm -hmm. you apply for the IHP, that is funded via tax dollars. Yes. And if you have to use that, you don't have to pay that back. Correct. And that is, again, for home is repairs. There, is there a limit or is there... Is so, it, yep. So okay. basically how it works is when you apply for the IHP and you start going through the process, mm -hmm. um, I'll be honest with you guys, I, I kind of did a faux application before I got on here. Honestly, it was as simple as like signing up for a newsletter. It, it really wasn't that bad. But what I want to do is go over some of the things that you would need, the main, the main elements of this application so you can be prepared. Um, and then I will give you some examples of that as well. Okay. Um, so when you log on and you start applying, and again, yes, guys, I have my notes here because I want to make sure that I am ag as exact and, and, and right on this as possible. Yeah, we don't guess. No, not on stuff like this because this can directly help thousands and hundreds of people at this yep. point, right? Um, so once you go in and you apply, the things that you will need on hand before you go into that application will be your social security number, annual household income, phone number, address, email, and the damaged home address. So what that means is, you, you know how you have your permanent address and then your, your, you know, your mailing address? You can put your permanent address on there, but if your permanent address is the damaged address, same thing. Just put, put the same thing for both. 
then you want your bank account info. And you're going to go, why the hell do I want my bank account info? Because like we were saying earlier, we all want money, right? We all want, we all want the help from it. Give me the money. That'll help them give you a direct deposit um, once they go through um, and, and basically assess what, what you're looking at, okay? So Jameson, to your point, how it works is once you finish this application, and again, guys, this is FEMA's timeline. This is what they say how it should be, should be per their expectations, is 10 days after the application, you will get um, notified by an inspector, and that is if your insurance doesn't cover a good amount of, of what it is. And Jameson's going to go over insurance a little bit, but again, this is just FEMA sure. um, and yep. kind of what you're looking yep. at there. So they will send a uh, certified inspector out to the home and to inspect the damage and basically give FEMA a report of, of what your damages are. Now, special note on this. The first thing that you're going to want to do after the disaster occurs is go in, start cleaning up, gathering your things, slow down a little bit, and take pictures of the damage, everything. It does not matter how many you have, as the more the merrier, because all those photos will help your case, right? You can present them, you can give it to the inspector when he gets there, but if you go through and you start cleaning and you start moving things, that inspector may not see you know, the damage on the wall in some area or mm-hmm. downstairs, whatever it is, yeah. right? So well, just- I think that's important because there's certain, you know, in, in uh, and I'll take personal experience, right? So uh, my wife, Caitlin, her parents lived in, um, Colorado Springs during the uh, Waldo Canyon fire mm. in, in Mountain Shadows is the neighborhood, right? And they were away from their house when it tore through. Okay. And it damaged, it was, at that point, it was, the, it was the costliest fire in Colorado history because mm-hmm. it went through, and all these homes were 700,000 and up, which that was back in 2016, no, 2014. So now those houses are 1.5, right? Mm-hmm. But because they were out and they didn't get back in time, right? Their damage wasn't complete. Yep. So I think this is important because you can sit there and say, okay, well in Hawaii, there's these houses are decimated. Like there's nothing left, yes. right? Mm-hmm. That's important too. You still want to take pictures, I'm assuming, and make sure that yes. people understand that there's mm-hmm. what, the, what the scope of the, the damage is. But if you have a house that has smoke damage or maybe just the shingles off the house or maybe damaged fencing mm-hmm. or whatever it is, that's the important part because the inspector may and it's human bias, right? They look at your house and they look at something that's completely totaled mm-hmm. and it's going to be a difference of opinion when they go back to the report. However, if you have pictures and say, well, my deck is this damaged and I've lost this furniture and I've lost this blah, 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 whatever it is, that's why it's important because not every house is going to be devastated or have the same level of destruction as the yes. next house, especially mm-hmm. in something like a forest fire or a tornado where yeah. it can skip and, mm-hmm. and do different things. Absolutely, so, especially yeah. because it's like we said earlier, it's controlled right. by the wind direction, right? right? And you could have a house on the right that got completely decimated, but yeah. then the house or right you, next to you it. You can have things like with with uh, my in-laws' house. They had, they didn't have a ton of visible physical damage to the mm-hmm. home, but they had a ton of smoke damage. Yeah, and smoke damage is a lot harder to see. So unless you know what you're looking for, that's why you want to take pictures of everything, right? You may walk in your house and go. I don't really see any damage. Yes. But if you take pictures of the interior after something like a fire and you hand it to the inspector, the inspector can go, that's smoke damage. Mm-hmm. We're going to count that towards whatever that payout is. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And again, human error, guys. You know, they're yep. humans too, right? Um, so just by doing that, do your due diligence and, and kind of just take it upon yourself. If you think that it's damaged, take a picture of it. I don't care if it's just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the contrast on your wall is just a little bit off. Take a picture of it because the more evidence that you have, the better your case is in the long run, right? Um, so, 
As far as the, the documentation that you would need um, while you're filling it out before, you know, before the inspector gets there and does the inspection, here are some pieces of documentation that, that will help you. Um, as far as ownership documentation, you're looking for the deed of your home. You, you can use the title number document, so your title, you can, get, you can call your title company and get, get that title, send that to them. A mortgage payment book, so basically just your, 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 uh, your statements from you making payments or there being an existing mortgage. Um, real property insurance uh, for damaged dwelling, again, that's going to be your insurance that you have to cover the property. Again, this is ownership to show that you live there. Um, and then tax receipt or property tax bill. Um, and these are all things to show, again, ownership. So if you show your tax receipts or property tax bill with your name on it, it shows that you are paying for this property. You are paying for that land. And that gives them verification that you are the proper owner filing for this relief. Secondly, uh, the occupancy doc documentation. So to prove that not only do you own it, but you currently are living and, and in the dwelling and, and living in it. Uh, you can do a utility bill for damaged dwellings, uh, and that's uh, electric, gas, water. Yeah. But again, that has to have your name and the address on it of the affected dwelling. And that is going to be for everything that, that I say right now. Uh, you get credit card bills and first class mail addressed to you. Again, name, address. And then a pay stub that has the current dwelling um, and your name, obviously. So the other thing that I want to point out is, Jameson, if, are the only people that can apply for this the ones that own the property? I would assume not. No. As long right? as they know the address. Exactly. So if you are renting... It, you don't have to own the property in order to apply for this, for FEMA, right? Because you do have, again, renter's insurance right. to cover those things in there. But you, it's not just owners of the property. If you are renting from your landlord, you can qualify, but it just goes into filling out all this information, okay? So afterwards, you've applied for it. You've gone on FEMA. You've called. You've gone on the app. You've filled out all the information. You've put the application in. Now, 10 days later or within the 10 days, you're going to get a call from the inspector, the inspector comes out, does the inspection. You provide him with your, your photos that you've taken, all of the photos of the minuscule things. And then he's going to go, okay, thank you. We'll be in touch. Now, again, FEMA says that from that moment, it should take anywhere between 10 to 15 days for you to hear back on that, okay? So now when, when they're going through and looking at what the inspector said, and um, basically saying, yes, it's worth this, it's, it's not worth this, we can cover this, we can't. An important note is you may not get a direct deposit or a confirmation immediately. Mm. Right. Um, what may come is an, uh, uh, the SB loan, the Small Business Administration loan. You may get something that FEMA goes, hey, we can cover this, but we'd highly recommend that you reach out um, for, for SBA here, right? Now, I know the question that everybody's wondering is, hey, this is my property. I know what was here. I know what it looked like beforehand. So what if this guy missed something? Is it just end all be all? Is it done? Does he get to decide? So the, the short answer is no. But again, these guys are picked by the administration to, to be their inspectors, mm -hmm. right? So they will take their information, but you do have an opportunity to appeal. Um, and in order to appeal, all you have to do is reach back out via the phone number um, or, or the website and get in contact and they will let you know how to start this appeal process. And again, this is to appeal so you can plead your case. So again, take all the pictures that yep. you can, everything. But it does not guarantee more money, okay? That is the one thing that I wanna, I wanna point out. You can appeal it, 
but it does not guarantee on the back end that you will get more money. It just says that they will reevaluate re your case. And again, guys, if you do that, remember that you are now putting yourself in more time to deal with the appeal, right? Um, and so the, the thing that I wanted to talk about with the, the Small Business Administration loans. Well, hold on. Before we go there, yeah. I do have a question. Yeah. And if you haven't, we, we can do the research later. But for the IHP, obviously your insurance company itself is going to be the payout for the structure mm -hmm. and anything inside of it based on whatever your policy is, what, yes. what riders you have, personal property, real property, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But for the IHP loan, is there, I guess, two questions. One, is there a, a cap on how much that you can get paid? Mm -hmm. And two... Is there is that based off of like a percentage of the house value or how do, do you know how they determine yeah, what so, that looks like? Because it sounds like, hey, here's money you don't have to pay back, mm -hmm. but how much money would that potentially be? So from what I read on their website, it can range anywhere between seventy five dollars to $200,000 okay. um, for, for what you get from FEMA. And again, this is to supplement, right? If, if right. Do they, is, there, is there a way that they, they Gauge dictate it. that yeah it's it's virtually around the area kind of like we do our comparative market analysis okay. they look around at, at other occurrences where people have had same amount of bedrooms baths okay. Okay. properties and then they, they evaluate it from there um at least from what i read read on the website uh, for okay. the for the frequently asked questions and again i'll put a link uh down in the description yeah. for that so if you if you don't want to watch through this whole thing or, or listen about yeah, it, yeah. you can you can click Well, I think there. it's it, the reason I want to differentiate is because it's different than making a claim through your homeowner's insurance yes. and getting paid out for the re, the rebuilding costs of a house. Mm -hmm. This is supplemental income essentially to get you through yes. to the point where then you can turn around and say, mm -hmm. okay, now I'm rebuilding my home and doing yes. all these different things. Exactly. And this and this will cover things like temporary housing. Right. It will cover things like um, like clothing that you need to replace. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like basic needs sure. is what this FEMA yeah, food, IHP clothing, will shelter. Well, no, so that's the thing. It won't cover food. Oh, that's right. Right. Um, but yeah, but if they give you a if they give you yeah a money, you yeah. can use it. Yeah, you can you use want. it. Yeah, absolutely. They oh, just don't they don't great, take that into account. Yes, but great point. Great, great, great point that you that you said there. One thing that I want to emphasize very, very heavily. Okay, do not. Do not over-exaggerate what you are claiming or the information that you give to FEMA. It is a federal offense if you lie about it and you can face criminal charges and up to a quarter million dollar fine yeah. if they find out that you've tried to claim anything that you didn't have. Got it. So like that, I understand guys, this is a unique, <laughs> unique example and you guys, you know, I'm going to get money, be honest, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day too, like don't be selfish about right. it. Because so that money goes to everybody else too. Exactly, right. yeah. Because if you claim something and you, and you sh don't deserve it, somebody else is going to lose out on that, right? Um, and as far as the SBA be, loan... Uh, be altruistic. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, the, the way that humans be got what we got now is Weird. helping it's each other, crazy. right? <laughs> We're social animals, people. Um, and, and again, I just want to kind of emphasize the, the, the small business loan. Mm -hmm. that, is, that is a loan that, again, since you are covering, since you are paying back, yes, they have stipulations. Yes, please don't over-exaggerate on that. But it's a little bit more lenient on what you can spend the loan, the money on and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we've seen that with COVID. Yeah, right. Yeah. So just, guys, those are, those are great examples or, or just basically the steps and, and what you need in order to apply after the disaster and what happens. And again, the sooner you do this, the better. Right. Because you're going to get, obviously, you're going to be at the top of the list, so it's going to be a little bit faster. But also, you have more time to deal with it. Yeah. Right? Um, and just so you guys know, these SBA loans, they're usually anywhere between, um, if I remember correctly, three to six months 
on on the loan amount and the repayment. But again, the interest rates are extremely low in order to help you on these on these sorts of things. Makes sense. And obviously, the loan amount varies based on what you need right. help with, right? right? How many employees um, you have and overhead. And all yes. Yeah. Now, with that being said, let's say you get that SBA loan back and it will not cover your damages or you, you can't qualify for it, you can't afford it. What will happen at that point is SBA will then refer you back to FEMA and IHP in order to help you figure out what else, what other money you're entitled to and what, and what you can cover, right? So that is the portion of after it happens, you want to reach out to FEMA, fill out your application, get that all done. The next thing that comes is you want to reach out um, to your insurance. Mm-hmm. And Jameson, I know you, you deep dived into the insurance portion of it. So what, what does that look like for everybody? Yeah, I mean, as, as far as reaching out to your insurance, I think that in and of itself is pretty self-explanatory, right? Like, hey, State Farm, lost my house. Have you turned on the news in the last three days? <laughs> I got nothing, right? You living um, under a rock, bro? <laughs> and and they will, you know, basically give you a replacement cost value of your home. Um, and that same thing, they'll take an expect, inspector out, they'll look at the site, they'll look at the house, the rebuilding costs, et cetera, and they'll essentially cut you a check okay. and say, hey, your house burnt down. We're going to give you to rebuild this house. It's going to cost, I don't know, call it $760,000. Your where, policy, do they, where do they find that value? Your at? policy is up to five eighty-five, whatever that okay. is. Um, they a multitude of factors, right? They'll look at labor costs, they'll look at construction costs, they'll look at material costs, they'll look at the square footage of similar houses and what it costs to rebuild them to spec, and they'll say, hey, the rebuilding cost is X amount. The important piece of this is what you do prior to anything happening, because there is a multitude of people. And I, I, I forgot to look up the percentage, but it is high mm-hmm. of people that are underinsured on their homes. Yeah. Right. Well, and not only that, you have so many people that, you know, once they pay off their home and they're not required Correct. to do homeowner's insurance, a lot of them deem it as unnecessary and just go, oh, I'll take care of it if I need it. Or I'll just right. take the very catastrophic plan Correct. in order to yes. deal with it. Yeah. And it's again, insurance is one of those things, right? You buy it so that you never have to use it. Mm-hmm. It sucks. But at the end of the day, unless you're walking around with a million dollars in your bank account and you can just rebuild a house from scratch, mm-hmm. it's necessary, right? Yeah. Um, and guys, check out um, check out our Real Estate Served on the Rocks playlist. I think it was episode four or five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ha- had Silk Madam on, on the podcast. Yep. She is an amazing um, insurance broker, yep. basically, and it is a phenomenal episode with a lot of information. We'll link it in the video here for you guys, but if you want to do a deep dive on insurance and just to learn a little bit more about it, Feel free to go there. Yeah, but basically, what what people make the mistake of is, you know, they say, okay, well, I could sell my house for seven hundred sixty thousand dollars. It's not what replacement cost is based off of, mm-hmm. and that's not what your policy is based off. Of. There's a lot of people that can sell their house in this market for twenty percent over what the replacement cost is. Yep. But then their replacement cost is twenty percent under that. Mm-hmm. So let's say you know I, you buy a house, I don't know, six years ago, five years ago, mm-hmm. for four hundred fifty thousand. Okay. Yep. We go through COVID, there's supply chain issues, there's labor issues, there's the material cost issues, all this kind of stuff that drives things up. So the replacement cost of a home just since 2019, right? We're 2023 now, has gone up 52% on average. Wow. Okay. More than likely your insurance policy has not reflected that increase, mm-hmm. which means that your replacement cost in 2019 may have been $520,000 on a $700,000 house. Okay, fast forward to 2023, that replacement cost is now 700000 on a $750,000 house. But your insurance policy only insures you up to the 520 because you haven't adjusted it 
since 2019 because you don't think about it, yep. right? So what does that mean? Well, that means is let's say let's say your house burns down, okay? And you go, you know what? I don't want to rebuild. I just want to go buy a new home. You're expecting the value of your house in the form of a check from your insurance company mm-hmm. saying, well, on an open market, my house will sell for 700000 Then what happens is you get the check from the insurance company at $520,000 because that's the replacement cost, okay? You lived in your house for five years. Let's say you owe $360,000 on that house. Well, you got to pay off your mortgage because somebody still owns that deed. Mm-hmm. Now you're only left with 200000 You thought you were going to have 500000 now, all of a sudden, you're, you find yourself downsizing mm-hmm. because you can't afford the same house that you had before whatever natural disaster occurred, mm-hmm. which is why it's important to make sure and to have your insurance company validate that your replacement cost is always up to date on your home, especially over these last three years because home values have gone through the roof. <laughs> yeah. But most insurance companies aren't going to adjust the policy for you because that means that you pay more. They can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. So it is up to you as a homeowner to go, okay, I've added a sunroom. I've expanded my deck. I've finished my basement, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, that's, that's a big one. Um, if you finish your basement and you don't permit it, right? You don't permit it. footage. <laughs> you don't permit it because you don't want to pay taxes on it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't permit it, you also can't insure it. Yep. So now you're like, well, I, you know, I have a 5,000 square foot house. No, you don't. According to your permits, you have a 3,000 square foot house mm-hmm. with 2,000 square feet of unfinished yeah. basement, which means if your house burns down, you'll be reimbursed based on a 3,000 square foot house, mm-hmm. not a 5,000 square foot house. So, Jameson, let me ask, is, is there a difference between a home when it comes to insurance claims yeah. and how they go about it? Is there a difference between the process of, let's say, you have somebody whose, again, house is visually demolished down mm-hmm. to the floor, you see the foundation versus somebody who has smoke damage, siding damage, is there, is there a difference there? As far as a process goes? Yeah. No. No, process right? is the same. And, and the reason I say that is because a lot of people would think right off the bat, if I walk up and there's not yeah. a structure here, oh, the insurance is going to pull up and just go, oh, yeah, I can send them pictures. There's no structure here, right? Versus, oh, no, there's damage here, yeah. here. It's the same thing, guys. It's, it's, same not, thing. It's, not, it's not per circumstance. It's I'm putting an insurance claim in, and they have to va- evaluate how much is going towards that claim. Right. And the reason they do that is because at the end of the day, in order for an insurance company to continue to provide insurance, they have to be solvent, Mm -hmm. which means they have to have more money coming in than they are paying out. Right. If an insurance company becomes insolvent, right, you're going to kick this back to like seventh grade science. If I put a certain amount of material in water, whatever doesn't dissolve means it's insolvent and it's left over. Um, If it becomes insolvent, they can now not afford to pay claims and the reason i bring that up is because there's i feel like and you you've seen this and you're you rent right yeah um but i'm sure you've talked to people that are like insurance is a fucking scam and oh yeah absolutely right because everybody looks at it from a very minute like i've never had to use it so they're just taking my money mm-hmm. and there's no way that they don't have enough money to pay i don't know why they're raising rates on me and blah 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 blah, blah yep. right i've seen this i colorado right now is getting hit hard with insurance premiums for a couple different reasons the Superior fire. And back in 2022, we had a hailstorm run through Aurora. Mm-hmm. It was almost $2.7 billion in damage, right? Yep. So what people don't understand is, yes, I am paying, I don't know, like my insurance on my home right now. And again, I'll be real with you guys. My house, I could probably sell it for $720,000, roughly, right? I pay about eighteen dollars to $1,900 a year 
in homeowners insurance mm-hmm. and I bundle it with my car and everything else, right? I have never once used that insurance mm-hmm. to repair anything on my house. I think my deductible is a thousand bucks. Okay. So in my head, if I live in Jameson's bubble, all I'm seeing is I'm paying out $1,900 from my own pocket to an insurance company that I've never used. Right. Mm-hmm. So the small minded individuals will go, well, they're just making money hand over fist. Yep. So here's a statistic for you guys. You know me. Step, step guy. guy. <laughs> uh, over the last five years, Colorado specifically. So I don't, I'm sure it's actually higher in places like California and Florida yeah. and Louisiana, right? Mm-hmm. Where insurance companies are actually pulling out because they're insolvent. Uh, in Colorado alone, over the last five years, if you take the five major insurance companies, Allstate, Farmers, State Farm, Progressive, and I forget the other one, Travelers, right? Like whatever those are, doesn't yep. matter. For every dollar that they have taken in in premium payments, and we're talking homeowners insurance, okay? I'm not talking car insurance, but that's a that's a whole other topic from a different industry. I'm talking homeowners insurance. For every dollar that they've taken in in homeowners insurance over the last five years in Colorado, they have paid out a dollar sixty. So you do the math. What does that mean? It means that for every dollar that I pay, in my case, it's progressive, they're losing 60 cents. Is that a sustainable business model? No. No. How do you fix it? You have to raise rates mm-hmm. by 60 cents on the dollar if you want to do super easy math. Why is that? Well, again, this is the hard part because people, if it doesn't affect them directly, they don't see it, right? Mm-hmm. But the hailstorm that ripped through, I think it was either last year or the year before, Aurora and Parker got crushed. Slammed. Crushed. We're talking $2.7 billion paid out. Mm. The Superior fire through those 150 homes, that's it. Didn't affect anybody else outside of it, outside of Louisville and Boulder, right? Westminster area, Brighton, or not Brighton, uh, North Glen. Didn't affect them, but insurance companies paid out $2.2 billion. So two events in the last five years, mm-hmm. two events, paid out almost $6 billion. Billion, right? B, billion. So yes, <laughs> you are paying $1,900 a month in this, and you're paying or $1,900 a year in homeowner's insurance, $1,900 a year in renter's insurance, et cetera, and thinking they're making money hand over fist. But if you break down the numbers, mm-hmm. they're losing $0.60 cents on the dollar. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. what that means for you guys is there could potentially be a time where you are affected by a tornado, a brush fire, hail damage, wind damage, theft, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if the insurance companies continue to lose money, there will come a point where you go, hey, here's my claim. They look at you and go, sorry, we're out of money. Yep. We can't pay this. Mm-hmm. Well, refund me. We don't have enough money to refund you. So what What am I? You're SOL. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's important to understand, number one, you want to make sure that your coverage covers the actual value of your home, yep. right? Because that's gone up 52%. So really your coverage should have gone up 52% over the last year to make sure if something does happen, you can either re- rebuild your home as it was from scratch, or you can get that, pay off your mortgage, have enough money to rebuild a similar home somewhere else. Number two, understand that as we continue, we touched on this in the beginning of the podcast, as we continue to encroach in these areas that are affected Mm -hmm. it's getting more and more expensive for insurance companies to insure right well we're also getting we're getting more properties exactly so if i have to Mm -hmm. make a claim the claim's the same i call up i'll say hey my house burnt down i need somebody to come out here the process is the exact same as charlie talked about with fema take pictures 
you know, write down all of your personal property that you can remember that got lost, TVs, stereos, speakers, laptops, phones, clothes. Well, no, that, I get, God, Jameson, you're so good at the tee up, man. Like, you should be a softball <laughs> coach. Just tossing it up, my man. I wanted to ask you how, if in, if in any situation this happens, yeah. right? Are the insurance companies or FEMA going to know how much your property is valued at? Are they going to put the effort in to look at each independent item and know how much it costs you to buy no, those items? No, it's on the owner. Right? It's yes. on the owner. So, and the reason I bring that up is because it's so important. You have so many people now, and it's easier now in the, in the technological mm -hmm. age where if you buy something, you have a digital receipt. But this is why it is so important to track your purchases and know the value that you are putting into your home. Like, right. don't just buy a fridge and go, okay, I bought a fridge. Buy a fridge, keep the receipt, document it. Because regardless, I mean, those people out in Superior, like you said, happened in an instant. They didn't know what was Correct. going on, right? And if you just recently renovated a kitchen, you, you want to know how much that tile costs. You want to know how much Correct. those cabinet costs, what your fridge costs, stove, everything. Or think about it this way, right? Let's say you have expensive jewelry. Mm -hmm. Right? Can you, yes. can you claim jewelry on a standard homeowner's insurance? You could, mm -hmm. but they're going to give you a standard value. Yes. Right? Versus, let's say I've got, I don't know, and I'm not a jewelry person, right? But I've got a 24 karat gold something, blah, 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 that's worth an exorbitant amount. Oh, actually, you know what? Fuck that. Um, <laughs> the new trend. Yeah. I guess it's not new, but it's, I've seen it on TikTok a lot. Mm -hmm. Same with Instagram. Watches. Yes. Right. Yes. So yes. there's a whole mm -hmm. thing <laughs> just side market to watches. about watches, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's Rolexes or time, what I don't know. One of my buddies is into it, and he's trying to explain it to me, and I don't get it. But <laughs> there's you can get a Rolex if a Rolex is seventeen thousand mm -hmm. dollars. You need to ask your insurance company if you need a separate rider for that, because let's say uh, I sold a home in Castle Pines, right? My client has a collection, a, a box, of, a display, box a display of box of watches, watches right? Yes. And those watches are probably worth over a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars total. Okay. On a standard homeowner's insurance policy, the insurance companies go, yeah, I don't care. So an average watch is $37. It's a fucking Seiko, whatever. Yep. Here's your 37 bucks. Mm -hmm. So you need to ask your insurance company, Hey, on the chance that I do lose these, do I need an extra rider? Yep. The answer is yes. Do I need a certificate yes. of authenticity? And authenticity. The answer it. is yes, mm -hmm. right? But if you have that and you're prepared, then you can say, hey, here's the deal. Because at the end of the day, $100,000 is going to be a big deal to anybody. Yes. Right? Same with jewelry. Um, well, not to, not to even I've mention seen with, uh, to hark on the Best Buy days, uh, high-end home theater speakers. Yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, not, not even to mention the, the, um, the sentimental value to some Correct. of them. Right. You know, like there are some watches that have been passed down. Right. You know, and, and some things in the family that have been mm -hmm. passed down, chests, like drawers, whatever yes. it is, like that kind of stuff. If it is important to you, what we're saying is take the time, call your insurance company and know what you are covered for, what Correct. you're not covered for, and have the paperwork and the backing to prove it. Yes. Because at the end of the day, information is key. Like yeah. if, if you can't prove it, if you just call them and say, oh my God, this, my grandfather owned this watch and it was back in so-and-so, I know it's worth this much. They're going to go, can you prove it? Yeah, they're going to look at three, yeah. you know, melted pieces of metal and go, <laughs> I don't know what this was before, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to get pissed off because you're like, well, these were Rolexes. They should know yep. that. Well, if you can't prove that they were, mm -hmm. then you're SOL. Again, yep. the, the theme yep. of this is don't be SOL. Don't be yes. shit out of luck, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yes, insurance is kind of that love-hate. Like yes. you, you don't ever want to use it, but you want to make sure you're prepared. Mm -hmm. And to Charlie's point, like take stock of what you have, like the standard mm -hmm. stuff, right? A TV, an Xbox, a laptop. Uh, kitchen appliances, those are normally averaged out yeah. and say, okay, this mm -hmm. is what this is going to cost, right? Yes. But let's say you've got a custom-built home theater system. 
Custom you know, cabinets? Custom cabinets. Let's mm-hmm. say you've got imported Italian marble. Let's say you've got, you know, heated tile floors in the bathroom. Let's yep. say you've got, uh, again, watches mm-hmm. or family heirlooms or jewelry or whatever it is. Those are the type of things that you want to make sure that you guys are prepared and the insurance company knows what they are. Mm-hmm. Because to my next point, we're as we expand, the chances of you as a homeowner being involved in a disaster continues to get exacerbated. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Colorado is a great example. Mm-hmm. We continue to build west. Yes. Okay? <laughs> to the west is forest fires. To the east is tornadoes. <laughs> and in the center, hailstorms. Hail. <laughs> Like, whatever it is, right? Like, again, and I'm not saying climate change is real, you, it's fake, whatever. But, but if you would have told me, like, if you would have said, hey, guess where Colorado sits yeah. on the list of, of wildfires and commonality? Oh, do you, do you want to know? Yeah, yeah, oh, I'd love wow. to know Okay, that. cool. So how about this? Let's just do, because everybody loves Colorado. We're idyllic, right? Mm-hmm. 300 days of sunshine. We get snow. It's not too much. We get storms, the but they're over in like two hours, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at, you know, Let's say you look at Florida. It's known for hurricanes. Yes. Same with Louisiana. Same with Texas. Same with uh, Georgia, South Carolina, the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Then you go to wildfires. You go, your first thought is, well, shit. California. Yep. right? California mm-hmm. wildfires, right? Yep. Um, Colorado has been known for some recently. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's so go to tornadoes. Tornadoes. Oh, Kansas. Tornado Alley. Okay. So here's, here's a couple of fun facts. Number one, do you guys want to know the most uh, active county as far as tornadoes go in the united states do you know what it is is it just aurora? guess huh is it aurora county Mm-mm. i don't know weld county colorado <laughs> really makes sense though do you ever you guys ever been to dia part mm-hmm. of dia is in weld county make, it makes it total sense the most active county for tornadoes in the u.s higher than any county in kansas any county in <laughs> oklahoma I any county state. in iowa right <laughs> It is the most active. We have more tornadoes in Weld County mm-hmm. than any other county in the United States. Okay, uh, for just homeowner insurance claims for ca- catastrophic claims, mm-hmm. natural disaster catastrophic claims, Colorado is ranked second in the nation. I couldn't tell you the last time a hurricane hit Colorado. No. Well, it's because we're landlocked. Yep. But we are second in the nation. Why is that? Very simple. We're second in hail, and we're third in wildfires. The fact that we're third in wildfires, I mean, that, that alone, I mean, like being here the last five years and seeing the wildfires, I can see it. But if you would have told me that before I moved here, I'd be like, no way. There's no way. Second in hail, third in wildfires. Why is hail so expensive? Because roofs are expensive. Yep. Cars are expensive. Cars are expensive, <laughs> right? Yep. Absolutely. So th- there's a reason mm-hmm. that we talk about this, especially in Colorado. Um, wildfires get scored, right? Like danger. Yeah. On a scale of zero to 100, like mm-hmm. how likely a wildfire is to incur in a certain area. Yep. And insurers, historically, it's, it's scaled zero to 100, right? So yeah. insurers historically would insure homes in those areas up to an 80 out of 100. Yep. In Colorado, we're down to a 50 because of the, the monetary damage, right? Yep. Um, it's, 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 it's wild, dude. And, and you pair that with 52, 53% increase in home replacement value because of COVID, because of labor costs, material costs, et cetera, mm-hmm. it's going to continue to go up. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the other piece of this is our wildfire danger. If you look at the front range. Yes. And if you're in Colorado, just drive up I-70. Mm-hmm. If you I mean, go drive to, up I-70, drive up 36 in If in you go Boulder. to Genesee, Colorado, 
Okay. Yeah. Just look at the houses <laughs> amongst those trees and yep. imagine if if a wildfire sparks there and the average home price in that area is two and a half million dollars. Look at Vale. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Right. Yep. And everybody hears Vale and they go, but it's snowy. Dude, a two bedroom, <laughs> two bath condo in Vale is nine hundred eighty five thousand dollars. Okay. Yep. So if there's a building of fifty units. At a million dollars a piece. Real quick math, that's $52 million. That's one unit. <laughs> if a forest fire decides to rip through Vail, mm-hmm. you're probably talking 4 to $5 billion in claims that yeah. get paid out. Absolutely. What do you think that's going to do right, to mm-hmm. homeowners insurance for the rest of the state? Yes. Nationwide, same thing, right? Because State Farm doesn't just do Colorado. No. They do 50 states. Yeah. Well, we talked about it earlier. I said the, 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 the estimate right now for... Hawaii is $3.2 billion. Right now. Once that gets paid out, what do you think the ripple effect is going to be for premiums throughout the rest of the nation? Mm -hmm. They're going to have to recoup that money. Okay. Now let's say, I don't know. I think I I read something the other day. Again, climate change is not real. Uh, (laughs) Off the coast of Florida in the Gulf Coast or in the Gulf of Mexico, they had temperatures in the ocean that were at 102 degrees. Yep. Okay, mm-hmm. 102. Guys, a hot tub's 104. Well, and I, I, it's funny. As we sit now, what's, what's today's date? August 8, 17, 23. If I turned on the news, and they were tracking three separate hurricanes right. that, were, that, were, that were traveling right now, right? And, and it's just one of those things where it's like, as we see it go up, whether you believe or not, it's there, and it's a possibility. Well, and here's, so this is why, this is why I bring this up from an insurance standpoint, because everybody's like, oh, my God, my insurance is going up. This is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. I can't mm-hmm. afford to live here. Here's the deal. What I just say about Florida, off the coast, 102 degree water, right? We all know that the only thing that makes a hurricane stronger is hot water. Well, 102 degrees is pretty fucking hot. It's a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. This year, between 2022 and now, August, there's one state that is the highest, has the highest influx of population. What do you think it is? Florida. Florida. Goddamn snowbirds. So you are now telling me <laughs> that more people are moving and buying homes in Florida than any other state in the entire United States, mm-hmm. which is at the, it has the number one risk for hurricanes mm-hmm. in the United States. And people know it. <laughs> and people are moving there with equity to build large homes, mm-hmm. okay, to have their dream and snowboard, snowbird and whatever. That home gets destroyed by a hurricane in an elevated hurricane season. It doesn't just affect Florida. It affects everybody else because most likely that home is insured by State Farm, which has all these other different areas, right? Mm -hmm. People are moving to the Sunbelt states. Okay. Well, what do you think is going to happen if a wildfire erupts in California, right? Southern California. There's a hurricane headed for San Diego right now. It's the first time in, I think, 25, 30 years. There's a lot of expensive houses in in San Diego. A lot of expensive. What do you think that's going (laughs) to... So the point is, be prepared, right? Yes. Are costs going to go up? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. They are. But all you can do is, one, budget for the increase. Mm-hmm. Two, prepare yourself so if something does happen catastrophic, then you can at least rebuild your life with minimal cost. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, that's all we can do. And at the end of the day, be grateful that we do have things like FEMA, like SBA, that yes. are set up to help and each one of us regardless of in, in rising insurance costs, can benefit from those Correct. services, right? And, and on the point of cost, right? Mm-hmm. Did you, is, is there anything else you wanted to cover on insurance? No, I, was, I mean, Colorado specifically, one of the other statistics I found very surprising was there's U.S. jurisdictions, right, where all the, like the, the insurance companies break down areas that mm-hmm. they cover, right? Yep. Uh, 
in all of the jurisdictions, Colorado, we talk about what's called direct loss ratio, which means I talked about, touched about, touched on earlier, right? For every dollar taken in, they pay out a dollar sixty. That cost is, you know, a sixty percent cost, whatever that looks like, right? That's a direct loss ratio. So whatever that is, two thirds, almost two thirds, is their loss ratio. Colorado is fourth in the entire country for the largest loss by insurance companies. The other three, guess. Florida, California, Texas. Louisiana. Louisiana, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Louisiana right? makes sense, yeah. And what do those three states have in common that has been happening with insurance providers? Higher payouts? They've been pulling out completely. Oh yeah, you're so right. So Allstate pulled out of California. They will not write homeowners insurance starting in January of last of this last of this year. Mm-hmm. They stopped. Florida, same thing, right? So now what's happening is now the government is has to step in and do essentially what's called an insurance of last resort. Yep. And Subsidy, they have to basically. now fund mm-hmm. the homeowners insurance, which is great because it gives people an option, right? And Colorado's got a bill HB one one seven four if you guys want to take a look at it, where they're going to introduce that. The problem is because it's cheaper, it then squeezes out the rest of the mm-hmm. insurance companies, yep. which now leads to a monopoly. So the good news is, mm-hmm. well, government's going to pay for my homeowner's insurance, but they're paying that via taxes. So in order to fund it, they have to raise what? Taxes. Taxes. Which everybody does not like. Right? Exactly. So and it is a balancing act that yes. you guys have to understand. So I, I guess the last thing I want to say is this. There's a couple things you can do in Colorado specifically to lower your risk, lower your payment. Number one, bundle. Always, always, always bundle. The more product lines you have under the same insurance company, the more willing they are to give you a discount to insure those products, right? So if there's an opportunity to bundle your home, auto, talk to Flo, right? Every goddamn commercial she's on, <laughs> it's about bundling. But seriously, bundle. And I talk to people that have not bundled, mm-hmm. which is mind-boggling yes. to me. Bundle. Number two, if you're in an area of Colorado, and I'm talking specifically to Colorado, one of the things people don't realize is they assume that the risk is in the mountains only because that's where the pine trees are and that's where all the fuel is. Colorado's got a really big issue with scrub oak right now. So if you're looking south and southeast and southwest of Denver, a lot of the acreage that you have has scrub oak, which is very flammable. It is very risky. And people are having a hard time insuring homes that are in those areas. So fire mitigation. If you live in Larkspur, if you live in Elizabeth, if you live in you know, down here in Keene's Ranch in Bell Mountain, pay companies to come in and mitigate the scrub oak around your property mm-hmm. so that you can get an insurance break. And then the third one um, is you raise your deductible. Yes. It hurts. You got to do some math. But if you go from a $1,000 deductible to a $2,500 deductible, mm-hmm. but you lower your monthly insurance, it could yeah. break even. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And I mean, that goes... That Those goes are the three things that I would suggest to people nice. as we're navigating this. To and just I think, honestly, cost, I know you said Colorado specific, but honestly, those are things that, that I think anybody can do that's a homeowner. Yeah, agreed. To agreed. take a little bit extra steps right. um, to kind of figure it out, right? I mean, hell, um, I, look at, I look at Castle Rock alone, dude. I, oh, you yeah. don't live down here? We are so windy. Oh, no, I know. I, <laughs> it I takes, was here for two it's years. It's going to take <laughs> one fire to just... Yes. All of a sudden, an ember travels a quarter of a mm-hmm. mile and... 
densely populated with scrub oak? Yes. Dude, it's going to be a tinderbox. Oh, and all around Castle Rock, it's just meadow. Correct. It's literally so, just dry meadow. Yeah, just just make, just make understand mm-hmm. that there's things you can still do to bring the cost down. Yep. And to, you know, hopefully if the firefighter does come to your house during a forest mm-hmm. fire and you've mitigated correctly and all these different things, your house is more likely to stand so that, yeah, your neighbors may have to pay the cost, but you have a fully functioning structure that you can live in. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, we talked about, you know, like I said, we wanted to cover three things. We want to talk about what you can do with FEMA, how insurance works. And the last thing that we wanted to talk about was reaching out to your mortgage provider, the the one who holds your note, right? And honestly, guys, this one's not going to be as in-depth because there's really... There's really not a lot of steps or things that you have to do. No, um, very, it could save you. Shit. Yeah, but it could save you a lot of money, yep. right? So the, the, the first thing is as we talk about money and payments and, and costs and everything like that, obviously in a perfect world, in a beautiful world, you experience a natural disaster and you're no longer living in that residence. So you just get to stop paying your mortgage. Is that, is that right, Jameson? Uh, say that one more time. So you go through a natural disaster. Your home is destroyed. You yeah. can't currently live in the property, live in the dwelling. Do you get to just stop paying your mortgage? Yeah, if you own the house free and clear. But if you still have to make payments? Then no, you guys still make payments. You still got to make payments. And guys, that is the most important thing that I want to emphasize is if a natural disaster occurs, it does not automatically happen where your payments stop. Mm-hmm. You are still in a contract to make your monthly payments, right? And obviously we all say, oh, well, if I can't, if I, if I don't, if I work from home and my home has been destroyed, how am I going to do that? If I, if my car was destroyed to this, how am I going to get to work? I'm going to be affected, right? Yes, absolutely. You're going to be affected. But at the end of the day, again, take the emotion out of it. We're, it's a business. You took out a loan, you promised to make a payment. Therefore you have to make the payment, but there is some reprieve from, from this, right? So, after you've talked to FEMA, after you've reached out to your insurance, if you cannot afford to continue to pay, make the monthly payments on your mortgage, it is as simple as reaching out to whoever supplied your, your mortgage, whether that be Fannie, Freddie, um, a, a private, a private mm-hmm. lender, and talk to them about it. Give them a call and say, hey, this is what, what's going on. Obviously, when it comes to natural disasters, a lot of the time they're not just going to look at you and be like, yeah, screw you. We're not helping you, Right. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have already come out and continually let people know, hey, we have at least a six-month forbearance that we can offer you. Um, Correct. And basically what that means is they will allow you to put off making your payments for six months because they understand the, the financial toll that comes along with a natural disaster. Well, not only the financial toll, but also the time frame because at the end of the day, right, like with a replacement cost, worst case scenario, if you're underinsured, Mm-hmm. If you've owned your home for more than three or four years, whatever the insurance payout's going to be is going to pay off the deed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it could take two, three, four months. Yes. In which case, you still have to make payments, yes. right? So it's in conjunction with like the reason that this forbearance is there is to bridge the gap and say, okay, I don't have to worry about payments. Then when the insurance comes in, they're going to pay off the mortgage, whatever mm-hmm. the balance is. So unless you're in a really shitty situation, for the most part, you should at least be able to pay off your balance, right? I guess. Yes. There's very few scenarios, but like, I don't know, you buy a house and six months later, it and again, down. this is if your home is completely gone. Correct. Like this, that's one one area. Now, there's two things that I want to emphasize when it comes to your, your your mortgage payments and the forbearance and them giving you time. Okay, so yes, you can agree with your lender and whoever you have, whoever's holding your mortgage note, that they will 
allow you to not make payments for six months. But the most important thing to note is that you will still accrue interest over those six months. So yes, you may not have to pay the amount that you're, that you're paying monthly for your mortgage, but that interest will still continue to accrue. Mm-hmm. And after those six months, a lot of the time, lenders and, and mortgage holders will request that interest and those payments in a lump sum. Yes. Okay. And either that means, hey, I have to come out of pocket $10,000 out of nowhere, or you, you, can, you might even have to take out another loan to cover that loan, right? And it, it comes down to it again, 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 and we will repeat this, knowledge, no, ask questions, call, right? Because if you just call and go, hey, yeah, I'm, I'd, like to, I'd like to put off, defer my payments for this amount of time, and they go, yeah, sure, cool. In your mind, you are now not paying that, Correct. and that money can go towards other things, whether or not you get the insurance payment or not. In your mind, that's not, that's not yeah. money that you, that, right. that's accruing to you, right? So when you get that bill after six months, you're going to go, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Because you weren't planning for it. So ask the questions, be prepared. And even though you don't have to make those payments, budget accordingly. Correct. Either budget yep. as if you're still making those same payments or budget so that you know I can make this lump sum payment at the end. And I guess what, guys? You can even ask them, yeah. hey, what, what am I it? making? What, right. what, what interest am I paying every month? Yeah. So you can plan and, and know, okay, this is what I'm going to have to pay out, yeah. right? Agreed. Um, and, and lastly, the, the, the second thing on that is when, when you defer, okay, just remember that if you, if you defer, you're, it's not hitting your credit. That's the point of deferring. That is the main point of doing a deferment. It is not hurting your credit score. But if you just flat out decide to stop paying because you can't, and all you had to do is pick up the phone and make a deferment call, you will get affected by your mm-hmm. credit. And that six months that you're not paying that mortgage, two months, three months, whatever, it will hurt you in the long run. Yep. Like that is, please, please, please remember that. And in an economy that is based on credit from the person level on the totem pole all the way up to the government level, interest and credit is very important to us. So please just do your due diligence, ask the right questions, and make sure you understand what your monthly payment is, how much your interest is a month, and what the potential payout will, will be after those six months. Well, it, to me, and I, I agree with everything you just said, I, I immediately go to, okay, so let's say I'm going to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for my insurance to pay out. I've made the call to the IP or the IHP. I've made a call to my insurance company. I've made a call to my mortgage company, right? In my head, if I'm, if I'm doing this and I'm giving you guys recommendations, and again, I, I've never been in this situation, mm-hmm. so I don't, I will never fully understand the emotion and the urgency yes. and everything else that goes into walking up to your family home and realizing it's gone, mm-hmm. okay? So I, and I sympathize and empathize with everybody that's going through that right now, but here's my analytics, my analytical brain. If I get an IHP loan, for two hundred thousand dollars, SBA, SBA loan, or no, no, the IP, the IHP, the permit, the sorry, Grant. not loan, yeah, IHP, just yes. payout, right, mm-hmm. for two hundred thousand dollars, hundred fifty thousand dollars, whatever it is, and I know I have that money, mm-hmm. okay. Then I go to my insurance, and I say, hey, my home's destroyed, and they go, okay, well, the payout's coming in three months. Then I follow the third step, and I talk to my mortgage company. I say, hey, I need a forbearance for at least six months. What's the total? In my head, if I have all that information. I take the IHP and I take whatever my my 
lump sum payment is going to be worst case scenario if it doesn't get paid off by then. And I put that to the side. Yes. Hey, new American funding. Yeah. You're going to owe, you know, $12,582 in six months as a lump sum. Awesome. IHP, you're getting $75,000. Awesome. Insurance timelines, three months. We're going to get it done get you paid out mortgage taken care of. Cool. What I do is I take the $12,587 that New American said I'm going to owe in six months. Mm -hmm. I put that to the side. Immediately. Preferably, if it's six (laughs) months, here's me, right? And we're going to, we'll go deep. Here's me. Six months CDA right now is like 4%. (laughs) Just saying, I take that money. I put it in a six-month CDA. Now it's an interest-bearing account, okay? And again, we are not financial advisors. This is just through our personal experience. But I'm just telling you, bro, (laughs) smart money, right? Put it in a CDA for six months gains 5% on that that amount of money. And then when your payment comes through, you can pull that out because it matures after six months. Mm-hmm. You pay it. You actually made 5% of $12,000, which isn't a ton, but it's it's money. Something. Right? It's, mm-hmm. a good, it's a nice steak dinner at the Famous here in Castle Rock. Uh, or best case scenario, insurance comes through within the six months, pays off your loan along with the deferred payment. And now you've got $12,000. $600 plus the interest, mm-hmm. you can now use that to, for a down payment on a new house mm-hmm. or for shelter or for clothing for or whatever it is. But be smart. Understand that there is there are things in place that are here to help, but you got to be smart. You have to understand what's at your disposal because most people will see something happen, will make an emotional decision, and then at that point, the rest of the timeline is completely fucked because yep. they don't know how to navigate it. Yeah. And we want to make sure you guys have those tools. So mm-hmm. like Charlie said, through FEMA, IHP is huge. That's going to give you the chunk of money. Your insurance, the claim is very simple. Make sure that you're not underinsured so that if something does happen, you can rebuild your life without with minimal cost. And then from a mortgage standpoint, understand that if you do defer because you're not living in the place that you bought, you know what that lump sum is. And then it circles all the way back to the IHP and you can put money aside that you need to to pay that off so it doesn't hit your credit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and, and guys, I hope that during this episode, we've given you valuable information that you can use. If you are a resident in Hawaii and, and we helped you in any way, it's what we wanted to do. That's why, that's, that's why we wanted yeah. to do this think, topic. I think this is probably a good time yep. to put up this, yes. which is essentially the links that you guys can go to to donate mm-hmm. to Hawaii because – Again, being altruistic, guys, it is devastating. Like yeah. the, the drone photos coming out, any of the links that we see here, any of the websites we see here go directly to those funds mm-hmm. to help those individuals. Um, I saw a great, you know, and again, I'm, I'm a realtor. Charles is a realtor, right? And we saw this. I've never been to this specific town. I've been to Maui. I love Maui. I love, the Hawaiian people are super friendly. There's a lot of natives on that, mm-hmm. on that island that have never left, right? It's an island in the middle of the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go? And they're worried that, They've already got investors calling them. Oh no, I was about I was you literally about to, I was oh my god, I was investors literally about calling to mention them it. to if purchase you, land. If do you not if you <laughs> are an agent, if you are a wholesaler, if you are anybody in the real estate industry in any kind of a way and you are picking up the phone to make an investment call right now, I'm sorry, fuck you. Yeah. I F- agree. Fuck you. I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. I, I no. No. I you agree. are you are the problem with our industry. Yes. You are the the money hungry, grubby fingered people that are causing every instance of doubt and frustration yes. in the industry. And I, and I hope you lose like there most are, of your there money. There are phone calls going to property owners yeah. in Hawaii whose mm. houses are still smoking 
to say, like, I will buy your lot for X amount and blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. I, fuck oh God. off. Yes. Uh, Seriously. Stop. Fuck off. Stop. Like, I'm sorry. Short-term game, sure. You're going to be the hero that bought a million-dollar piece of land for $250,000, but karma will come back. Well, and not only to mention, like, don't like, get me wrong. It, mm, don't get me wrong. Like, mm. if it happened, if it, reunion in Colorado, cool. Like, I get it. There's opportunity there. This is sacred land. It doesn't, this is like, a, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I think I, even if it's sacred land, if it's not sacred land, I, I have a problem taking advantage of people in a highly emotional yes, state. Capitalizing on that yeah. just lost everything. Yes. In a matter of hours, right? Mm-hmm. Like whether it's superior and people mm-hmm. are, oh, well, you're not going to rebuild. I'll buy it. Give them a fucking minute. Yes. Like let Absolutely. them, let them navigate the process. Yeah. Okay, Absolutely. and then if they sit there and say, "Hey, I don't want to rebuild. Mm-hmm. I'm going to list this." Blah, then let them list it, and you do. It. I get it. Like everybody's going to take advantage of every situation. I understand that's how multi-billionaires are created, mm-hmm. but it just sits wrong <laughs> with me. It, and the then fire to your right and now. to your point, Charlie, like it, it takes it to a next level where you have this land that's been passed down yes. generation to generation, generation. It hits different. Don't yes. fucking do it. Like no, I get it. You're going to. I'm just telling you, don't fucking do it. Yeah, just don't. No. Just don't. I'm sorry. Donate. I yeah donate. donate be a good human fucking being yes donate exactly exactly I think this is a good time to move fucking on to the one donate. rock takeaway Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> fucking leeches it is it's horrible it's terrible but let's reel it back in I'm gonna woosah for a second okay let's move on to our one rock takeaway for today's episode fuck you <laughs> <laughs> Jameson you want to take it or you want me to take it uh, no I can take it I okay. uh, I you know we talk about oh, man what was the quote Knowledge is the potential for action, right? Mm -hmm. So I just want to make sure you guys understand that what we're trying to do is give you the steps, but it's up to you guys to then execute those steps so that your lives, if something terrible does happen, doesn't upend everything, right? Mm -hmm. I I, I use the the, uh, example here in Colorado uh, a month ago, the tornado that touched down in Highlands Ranch, Yeah, right? I lived in Highlands Ranch. I've moved there in 1999. Okay, I lived there for, I think my parents sold their house in 2000, I graduated in 08, so call it 2010 probably, so that's what, 12 years, right? Never seen a tornado touch. I just remember how baffled you were when you were showing me the videos. I was shocked, right? Mm -hmm. Shocked. And that is an area that is not known for tornadoes. It's happened once in the last 35 fucking years. Yep. And 35 years ago, Highlands Ranch was a bunch of farms. So it didn't <laughs> yeah, count, it wasn't anything, right? Yeah. Um, but I look at that and I go, it can happen anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about hail damage. That's one thing, right? It's roof. It sucks. You got to pay it because if you sell your house, whatever, yes. right? But you talk about tornadoes, wind damage, fire, like it can happen anywhere. So make sure you guys just take the information we talk about and utilize the resources, put it into practice, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that's the biggest thing. And this goes back to retail, right? We used to always have trainings and whatnot where people are like, all right, out of the 100 people here, you know, only 10% are going to take this information and actually yeah. execute. I hope it's more for you guys. But mm-hmm. even if it's something as simple as dialing up your insurance broker and going, hey, can you run me through what I'm insured for in my house in case something mm-hmm. happens? You'd be shocked if... They say, yeah, your rebuild value is $480,000. And you're like, well, my house is worth $800. we are not going to give you $800. Do that simple step. Mm-hmm. Like, just call your insurance agent and make sure you're not underinsured. That's my one rock takeaway. Okay. If you do nothing else, make sure you are not underinsured. 
Okay. My one rock takeaway is... Also, fuck you wholesalers and everybody else that's calling on Hawaii's land. Fuck <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. That's my other rock takeaway. <laughs> my lava rock takeaway. Yes. I hope you get hit in the head by one. Fuck you. Yeah. I agree. 100%. Sorry. I just, no, it it's a fire. So it's much. a burning fire. I saw, I saw the first video and I, and was, I was like, are you fucking kidding yeah, me? It kills oh my me. God, kills me. Oh. But my one rock takeaway um, for today is do not come com- become compliant in comfort. And complacent it, or compliant? It, what was that? Complacent or compliant? Complacent. Complacent. Yeah, yeah. Compliant. compliant too. But like, yeah. And, and, and overall, just as humans, we, we find comfort in in ease in right and exactly to what jameson's one rock takeaway is taking the steps to prepare for things that you don't expect to happen will only make you more prepared when they do yes right so i understand that it's a lot easier to just kind of go about your day-to-day hey i have insurance hey Mm -hmm. i i don't need to look at my bill when i pay for these things or or what it costs or save it. it it will only benefit you to take the time to go out of your comfort zone just a little bit and prepare. So that's my one rock takeaway is as comfortable as you think that you are, as prepared as you think that you are, take it one step further and make yourself a little bit more prepared for instances like this. You know what's funny? So I, I, I equate it this way in my weird brain. <coughs> We're on TikTok, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, where can they find you? That lifting agent, TikTok and Instagram. Boom. You guys can follow me, <laughs> the Colorado real estate guy. Um, we always talk about going viral. Yeah. Right. And the 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 overall feeling is it only takes one video to go viral. Mm -hmm. That's it. And that one video that you filmed, oh man, Bobby Altoff. Have you ever have you watched her? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. The whole Drake thing going on. No shit. But before that, dude, she went from nothing to viral and now she's making a shit ton of money off of one video. Mm -hmm. Okay. You guys have to understand that the opposite is also true. Yes. It takes one catastrophic event that you were not anticipating, that you were not uh, prepared for to put you in financial ruin mm-hmm. for a very, very long time. So heed Charlie's words when he says, just go out of your comfort zone. And when we say go out of your comfort zone, I literally mean pick up the phone mm-hmm. and fucking call your insurance agent. Just ask a question. And ask a question. <laughs> just ask a question. That's it. That's all it is, right? Mm-hmm. But that one phone call, that one conversation could save you hundreds of thousands of dollars. And when we look at, and we talked about it last week or the week before, the average uh, household has $5,300 in their checking account. Mm-hmm. If you take a $500,000 hit, what happens? You're in you're Generationally, in mm-hmm. you're, in a, you're in a bind. Yep. So Absolutely. understand that it takes one event, good or bad, to just change the entire fortune of your life financially, social, whatever it is. doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But just be prepared. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I think this is a wonderful time to move into the bourbon review. How does it work, my friend? We do our ratings on a scale of 1 to 10. The lower the number, the better the bourbon, because the less water or rocks that you have to put into a bourbon, usually. Oh, which, which, by the way, dude, sad story. The better the bourbon is. My, uh, my LG refrigerator mm. that produces the ice balls that oh, I no. use whiskey. It broke. Oh, no. <laughs> it broke. Uh, time to move on to whiskey, sco- of, whiskey it, stones, my it's man. Out of, it's out of the warranty, period. Oh, uh, by what? Six months? No, no, it's like two oh, okay. years. I've, had, I've had that fridge since I moved in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I did it, and I had to have like a hair dryer. <sighs> like, because what happens apparently, and anybody that uses LG refrigerator, the ice balls will come through, right? Uh-huh. And then after, like every, I don't know, call four months, condensation happens and it starts mm-hmm. to freeze. So it gets them stuck. Once it gets them stuck, 
it just builds. You're up. fucked. Mm-hmm. The only way to do it is let it melt. So I don't want to leave my freezer open for 48 ah, hours, right? Damn. So what I have to do is I put a blow dryer <laughs> in there and I prop it up. And then what ended up happening was as I'm pulling it out, that little plastic piece popped off. Oh no. So we're gonna find out tonight if it still works. But now I'm an old school, like I gotta have the ice molds and yeah, shit. Yeah. First of all, problems, but it's real sad. So. <laughs> well, bourbon problems. Yeah, bur- bourbon, bourbon problems. problems. Real sad. Real sad. <laughs> um tear. First off, man, I was very pleasantly surprised. This is even even now I, I did the rare second pour and I, I will say we talked about your this. rare second pour is getting less rare. Just throwing it out hey, there. You know, times are okay. hard, man. Yeah, yeah. Times are hard, but it's like going from an, in, what is it? <laughs> a endangered species to a protected species. Yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly. You move exactly. from endangered to just protected. <laughs> Pretty soon you're going to be the bald eagle little, and people are writing articles. Of like was a little bit lower. It was a little bit lower, <laughs> but, um, I got to have bourbon for the review, bro. I, I get it. I can't, I'm not, I'm just saying you're right. You're right. You're not an endangered species. You're protected. We've had, we've had some good bourbons. Yes. We've had some good bourbons. Yes. Um, honestly, man, like even, and this is something that we haven't talked about a mm. lot is the, the feeling of the bourbon, right? Okay. Like after you drink it, yeah, yeah, yeah. how, yeah. how your head feels, how you yeah. feel, what the effect is, uh, you know, the buzz, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Right. This has been pleasantly smooth from the beginning to the end. Yes. And agreed. that is, that is flavor. That is, that, that is poor and, it, and it's overall feeling like, I don't, I don't feel clouded. No. I, no. I don't feel like it, it sluggish in yep. any kind of agreed. a way. It's clean. It is. It, it's yeah. it, overall, like I can definitely see me enjoying this with a multitude of people, whether yeah. they drink bourbon yeah. or not. And us leaving not hating ourselves no. afterwards. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and the the flavor profile for sure. This, the complexity of this bourbon being a being a, a blindfold bourbon, I, I'm very pleasantly surprised. And even now, sitting, it's a lot of bourbons you get that sit on your tongue is a little bit more brash and oh, or like I love the use of that. Right, continue. like yep, the, continue. it's it's harsh, right? Yep. But this one, smooth, like I can I can almost like run my my tongue mm-hmm. over the roof of my mouth and I still get the flavor from yep. it and it's a sweetness it's a karma like when I think of bourbon flavor yeah. this is what I think of yes agreed yeah 100% 100% and it was 40 bucks 40 bucks this is just and it, again America thank you for developing and having such a marketplace for bourbon that one we could do the show but two we can taste the differences and see the differences between them and I I, I don't know man I'm, I'm going to let you give I'm going to let you give the number before before I do. Okay. So here's here's what I the one I agree with everything you said. I know I have a good bourbon if the the taste left on the tongue after a sip makes me want to have like excited for the next one. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. So you said it. You're like, "Well, it's not like uh what you say it was it's not harsh. Yeah, it's, it's not, not dry. It's not dry. Mm-hmm. Like it you you drink it, swallow it, and then the taste on the tongue is like, you know what? I want another sip mm-hmm. because I'm excited for that same flavor profile. I would make a buttload of cocktails with this bourbon. I, yeah, like I think this, it, would, <laughs> it would literally go with everything. Yes, it would. Absolutely. And I think for that purpose, I'm going to rate this one probably higher than maybe you're expecting because I look at it and I go, okay, can I have it neat? 100%. Mm-hmm. You open this up with an ice cube, whoo. It's going to be drinkable to anybody. Yes. Right. So I think that's the you know, and I I like introducing bourbon to people. Yeah. So something that's very easily done. 
If I want a Manhattan, ooh, it'd be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this would be fantastic in a uh, Sazerac. Yes. With some absinthe, mm-hmm. an absinthe rinse gra- glass mm-hmm. with an orange peel would be fucking phenomenal. And for Oscar, this, I think that this is one of our top three old-fashioned bourbons that we've had. Dude, I'm, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go high. Two and a half. Yeah? Yep. See that? I, I'm a, I was going to go with three. Yeah, I'm going to go two and a half. I, for, I just for think if you cost, look at the cost, the flavor, the flavor like, and the, and the, um, the, I don't want to say flexibility, but the usability. Yeah, dude. Like yeah. it's just, it's, it's, um, it has range. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, Pleasant surprise. It has range. Mm-hmm. It's like the Ariana Grande of whiskeys. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you ever yes. see her on like on, yes. on, uh, the tonight show mm-hmm. where she impersonates others. Yes. Right. The like, Ariana I, Grande of, of bourbon. <laughs> I'm like, saying it is, that's, a, that's a way to put it. I, that, you, it, yep. I can, I, like, I, we went to, um, we were down in the Springs this weekend and went to this little speakeasy underneath another bar and I had a Sazerac, mm-hmm. right? And they did it with a uh, bullet, which was interesting, right? And I'm very I'm a interesting. Bullet not right, just bullet. Okay. But the heat on a bullet. I know, dude. And it was, it was good, mm-hmm. but it wasn't great. Um, I had another one at a Louisiana bar with Angel's Envy better mm-hmm. okay higher quality whiskeys age yeah. six years i think yeah but i just keep going back to the fact that i guess my sticking point is i expect this type of complexity from a at least a six or eight uh, yeah. year aged bourbon yes. mm-hmm. not a three-year age bourbon and a and a 60 plus dollar bourbon not correct a, so a that's why that's, i yeah. gotta go two and a half that is this is a sleeper cell yep this is go this is uh, hands down if you guys are looking for a bourbon to bring to a party to enjoy during the summer, during even the off winter, the website, anything. like direct off the website, it's forty nine bucks. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. So yeah, one hundred percent. It sleeper. I agree. Yes. Yeah. 100%. I just I can't I can't not. No. I, no. Yeah. That phenomenal for for a blind for a blindfold bourbon. Phenomenal. You you're doing good, man. Dude, you, you, you got you know? the eye. I'll tell you, it's, this is this is what three out of three now. You've grabbed yeah. you grabbed a random. Yeah. And. You killed it. Yeah. So I, I go two and a half. You're going to go three? I'm going to go three. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go three. For yep. sure. This is, yeah. oh, we got to do that blind taste test now. I know, dude. We got to do it. I we got to do it. But everybody, thank you so yeah. much. I know it was a little bit longer, but we gave you as much information as we can. And it's important. It's your financial future. Exactly. We want to make sure you guys well, understand. And, and not only that, this is people's lives. Exactly. That, that are involved. So yep. we, we went a little bit long, but we feel like we gave you a, a good amount of information that you can break down. You can reach out. We're going to put all the dis- every link, everything in the description on the screen that you can kind of follow and, and make sure that you know and have the right resources. But don't forget, guys, you can reach out to us at resotr at themilehighperspective.com or give us a ring. 303-578-0263 goes to both of our phone numbers. Uh, feel free to reach out to us, guys. If you're listening, give us a rating. Let us know how we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, like, in closing, I just want to say this, right? As realtors who we deal in real property on a daily basis. My heart goes out to anybody. I know Hawaii is the headline now. Anybody that's been involved in a natural disaster that has resulted in them losing their homes, I feel for you. Yes. I understand the pain, the heartache, the difficulty of navigating that space. If there's ever a time that you guys are watching this and you have a, it's you or a friend or a family member, whoever, has experienced it and they want to reach out to somebody, even if I'm not, if I'm not in the same state or Charlie's not in the same state, 
we will find resources for you guys. Mm-hmm. That is our entire job. We under, like we take pride in putting people in homes. Yep. That's that's what we love. And to if do. you took yep. the opportunity to to make the biggest single investment yes, that we you're want to make sure make. that we're there, we're there for you guys. So yeah. just don't hesitate to reach out mm-hmm. and you know understand that yes, we we're in this industry. We have to make money. It's a capitalist society. That's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. We sell houses to make commission, but I also am there for anybody that's experienced that kind of hardship. Mm-hmm. Charlie, I speak for him, I know, but mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Yep. If you guys need resources, information, advice, pointing in the right direction, please do not hesitate to reach out. It's heartbreaking what we're seeing, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that you guys have you know the information yep. needed to, I don't know, at least start to navigate that. Yep. You know. So guys, we yep. got some awesome things coming for you. Stay tuned on the channel. Comment, like, subscribe as always. Yep. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Cheers. Appreciate Catch it, guys. Later. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version and more, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.